This is a 980 CKNW podcast. You are live with The App Show. Mike and John here. We've got a really cool program today. We'll be talking uh, with uh, a famous musician. Uh, Do you remember Our Lady Peace? Well, we'll be talking with Rain Maida. He's the chief product officer now of a new app called The Sing App. We've talked a lot about NFTs, non-fungible tokens. People are making thousands, some millions for selling digital art, whether those are graphics, video, or songs. And uh, we'll be uh, finding out how musicians are doing it using this app. We'll also be talking with Ted Kritsonos about Grammarly. This is a really cool app that helps you write better. Not only does it check things like spelling, but it goes right into the grammar as well. And even the tone. And the tone. It, it's actually really cool. Yeah. And uh, finally, we'll be talking about a neat app called Clockology that helps you create custom Apple Watch faces. There's a whole community out there that are actually making these watch faces. And that's the challenge. Everyone seems to have an Apple Watch now, but you're kind of stuck with the Apple Watch faces. And there's a lot of cool ones, but this Clockology app takes it to a whole other level. You've got the flux capacitor on your watch face. I do, and you're very jealous because you haven't installed it yet. No, I'm trying to figure it out. It is a little confusing. Yes. And we'll, we'll, we'll explain all the steps. Well, you're going to explain it. Yes. That's why I'm looking forward to this segment, so I know how to use the damn app. Yes. Uh, let's get into some of the app news this week. The big news, John, would be LG. So there's some big players in the smartphone marketplace, and obviously Apple is up there, Samsung, Huawei until recently. Um, don't know if they'll be able to come back up. We'll see how that all pans out. But LG was always up there as well. Mm-hmm. But they have been struggling. They have not been able to get a major foothold into the marketplace in the, over the past few years. No. And they come up with some pretty interesting concepts, though. The interesting thing that they announced at CES this year was a rollable phone. Yes. You know, but clearly it's a prototype. It's not rolling anymore. No. <laughs> well, maybe we'll see that technology in other phones, right? Because LG makes a lot of components for other smartphone manufacturers. Or maybe they'll sell off that division to another company. Uh, yeah. Was this a surprise to you? I, I was wondering how they hung out this far because these these big guys like Samsung and Apple and the Chinese guys like TCL and Oppo uh, and Huawei are just eating their lunch. Yeah. And then there's the whole price performance range, right? Like, do you go at the high end, you know, and try to compete at, with the Apples and the Samsungs? Or do you go to the lower end when you're trying to compete against, I mean, even Google Pixels or uh, yeah, OnePlus? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You know, those type of ones. Like, there's just, it's such a saturated category. They couldn't find their their niche, really, could they? No. I think they're always trying to comp- compete against, like, Samsung and Apple, but they're just too far behind. Yeah, it's, it's always interesting when a big player like this backs out because invariably somehow that particular tech will come up somewhere else, like, yeah. like you mentioned. Will it transfer into their other lines of business or will it be something that we'll see somewhere else because they maybe probably have patents on some of this stuff too so they can either sell those off or you know, um, just send, sell some of the IP. We're talking mobile and app news. Uh, Yahoo Answers, remember Yahoo? Yeah. Yahoo. Um, Yahoo Answers was really popular. Yeah, they started around 2005. And in, in, in a lot of ways, I think a lot of people relied on it as being one of those, and I hate to use this word, safer places on the internet to ask questions and yes. to get answers from the internet. And it, it wasn't overly spammy and it wasn't, you know, uh, wasn't crazy like Reddit is. For it that. wasn't perfect, but I, I went to it because I just... 
it felt cleaner. <laughs> well, invariably, I, w- I was I would always get a result from them when uh, I do a Google search yes. on, on, a, on a situation. Yeah. So, um, but on May fourth, may the fourth be with you. Uh, they're selling off into the sunset, and uh, part of Verizon's acquisition of Yahoo, they're actually completely shutting this down. They're shutting down the complete service, even the archives, which I think is almost. Uh, a crime against humanity because there's probably a lot of really important historical documentation captured in there about how to do stuff. Yeah. So it's still unclear if anyone's going to, you know, try to save those archives or if they're literally just going to be deleted and purged off the internet. It's just so sad. A lot of these things just die. Like companies get bought and sold and parts of them just get thrown to the wind. Remember um, flip cameras? Yeah, yes. These were, uh, how do you describe the shape of these things? Like candy bar. Like a candy bar. But they were, uh, and you had a little pop-out USB stick that you could plug it into your laptop or, or, or computer, but it took HD video. Yep. And so easy, like dead easy. Yep. And they sold like hotcakes. And then because smartphones got better and better, they kind of started... Well, because the value proposition was is that you could shoot it with this camera. You didn't need to have anything else. Then you go to your computer, and it actually had software on the on the camera itself that you, when you plug it into your computer, you could use that those editing tools, which is kind of cool. So, but eventually they got sold. I forget how many hundreds of millions of dollars to Cisco. Yes, and then Cisco just didn't do anything. They eventually just closed it down. They didn't even sell it. I always wonder, like, is it worth more to them as a tax write-off, the loss? You would have to think that would be the case, especially with a big company like Cisco. They would try to, you know, recoup anything that they could. Anyway, Yahoo Answers, dead. Shutting down May 4th. So uh, use it uh, basically while you can. Uh, Some other uh, mobile news. Uh, The Google Wi-Fi iOS and Android app is going to get axed in July. I didn't even really use that. No, but you, you don't have the Google Wi-Fi uh, mesh network system. No, so that's just for their router system. Yeah, so, so they had a dedicated app for that. And, and in July, you'll just be using the Google Home app instead to manage it. So it's kind of like... An to, make, to make Google Home even more confusing. Well, that's kind of Google's mantra, though. You know, I, I hate going into that app. Like, I have Google Assistants in my home, like um, the, with the screens, the Nest Hub, and I've got some of the little Nest minis. And I love the Nest Hub because it's got the screen and I can watch recipes and things like that. But I hate setting up anything on that damn thing because that home app is, it's not user-friendly. It feels like it's just been bodged together from a bunch of other apps. Yes. Oh, it has. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's like a Frankenstein almost. (laughs) Yeah, because they just don't have one team sort of running it all. Maybe maybe in July that'll be this consolidation that'll happen. Yeah, I hope they smooth it out. Like I just, I look at Amazon with their Echo and... I'm going to say it, Alexa, sorry. Um, it's just so much easier to get things to work, I find, because you just download the skill. You got some new smart lights, you just go and find the skill for it. A new smart robot, download the skill. Well, and sometimes it'll just find it for you. Like you'll just try to activate a new new thing and you'll click a button from the app for that native uh, product and it'll just go and turn on whatever it needs to turn on in the Amazon app. Going to continue talking about NFTs, something we've been covering for a few weeks now. There's uh, so many different types of things you can do with them, but a great way to authenticate your uh, your digital art. 
in whatever form that may be. Taking that to another level now, uh, we've uh, got a, a great guest on the line uh, to talk about uh, an app called Sing App. His name is Rain Maida. You might know him as uh, one of the lead singer of Our Lady Peace, but he is also the chief product officer of Sing. Thanks for joining us, Rain. Yeah, my pleasure. So NFTs, uh, I think we're bombarded by this in all the news lately, uh, stands for non-fungible token. Uh, people are making lots of money, but it's uh, when it comes down to it, it's just basically a way to authenticate uh, a piece of uh, digital property. Can you tell our listeners what uh, Sing is all about and how it helps protect uh, some of that property or ideas? Yeah, I'd love to. Um, thanks for having me. You know, Sing was built around protecting IP. And so uh, Jeff Osler and Jim Harmon, the founders, um, brought me in probably just under a year ago because they wanted to move away from just trying to protect patents and kind of inventor IP into something that was a little bit more scalable uh, and a bit, you know, kind of a bigger vertical. And, and music and photography and entertainment seemed to be um, the kind of logical choices. Timing was actually perfect for me because my wife, who's also a songwriter and an artist, she'd written a song for... I think the end title she was asked to write the end title for la la land wow. and uh, we were sitting around during covid watching the nba finals and this big where we live in los angeles and this big insurance com- commercial comes on and my youngest kid says mom isn't that your isn't that that song you had and so lo and behold we're listening and i'm like wow that is that song like the first two lyrics and like all these notes in a row and it's like that's the hook from your song so she starts to go through her you know her phone and emails and then texts and her manager that she had at the time now has moved back to jamaica so just trying to find a thread to see where that song ended up and how it got got stolen it's like an impossibility um so when the same guys called i said look there's there's a case study i'm actually going through right now IP protection is is like it, it's hit this tipping point where you have new creators like my son who's on TikTok duets doing, you know, creating like 30 new pieces of IP a week just for fun, not even thinking, hey, these are song ideas that could be stolen or used. It's just about cloud and trying to get followers and having fun collaborating. So we're at a, we're definitely at a new stage in terms of IP protection, and that's what Sing does. And uh, luckily, the bet was made on building the platform um, on the block and on Ethereum, which creates these ER7, ERC721 tokens, which up until three weeks ago, we've been doing this for a year, but up until three weeks ago, no one knew what that was or no one knew what an NFT was. And we've been doing it the whole time. And now this kind of, you know, these things kind of, there's this big cross section now between what IP is and the fact that it, it is an NFT. So we find ourselves in a pretty interesting position. You're sounding super nerdy for a, uh, a popular rock singer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, look, I, you know, I, I, I got really enamored with tech when uh, Fanning launched Napster and like re- literally was reaching into my pocket, stealing my money. So I was angry for about 10 minutes. Yeah. And then I realized, you know what? This digital age is coming and um, it's it's fascinating. So I, I've seen this paradigm shift, obviously, in the music space from the inside out. And so I've been probably building products and trying to solve different things within this industry for the last 10 or 12 years. Well, this is an interesting thing that you've run into with your wife. Uh, I know there's, you know, thousands of artists out there that have these great ideas 
uh, you know, musicians that, you know, are trying to come up with hooks and pieces of, of music. What's the process that they would need to go through to use the Sing app to essentially authenticate their ideas? Yeah. So, you know, part of Sing's mission is to make this as simple as possible. We want to, you know, at the, at the outset, we wanted to be 100% better than copyright, which we are. Um, you have chain of custody. You, you know, we use Ethereum for the the best utility that it is, and that is really it's a digital ledger, chain of custody, and smart contracts. So um, it's as simple as downloading the app and uploading whatever you have. You know, you can actually we have a voice note feature. So if you want to sing something in the sing, you know that that's as easy as as clicking on the microphone. You can upload whatever you want, just the same way you would a file. And as soon as it's as soon as it's in the sing wallet takes about five seconds you can be confident that it's on the blockchain and you have created an nft in a sense what i also like about the app is that it gives you that version control so as you develop the app you have the ability to go back and see how it has evolved are all those different versions equally as fast for to be part of your portfolio or your wallet yeah they are the design i look i'm a huge design and product guy and um I've always kind of loved the Apple wallet. You know, I travel so much with boarding passes and my Apple Pay and other credit cards and movie tickets and all that stuff. I just felt like the design was really cool. So we tried to borrow from that and just make it as simple as possible. And I, But I do look at it like a hockey card. So if I were to upload a song idea that I had in a voice note, I would, I would literally just upload it into Sing. But then I would name it and I would maybe put an image to it so to give it a you know a personal vibe. I'm not a fan of Dropbox. I think it's very utilitarian. It has feels like it was built for for, for corporate world rather than than artists. So this is much more artist leaning and artist feeling. Um, but when you turn that card or when you flip that card over, kind of like a hockey card, you get all your data. So you get all the Ethereum, you get the hash. You can click on the hash and it'll actually take you to Etherscan where you can see it on there because we're protecting IP, but at the end of the day, if something happens to sing and we're not around anymore, that IP is still yours and it's still on the blockchain. And I think that's what's fascinating about it. So uh, it has that extra layer in there. And then at the end of the day, it, it's it's like you said, it's as simple as following that that history and that chain of custody. And, and if you share it with people, then they share it. You get to see all that. And that makes it, you know, look, our... our our motto is that we're, we don't, we don't want to have to be the people that protect your court. We will be if we have to, when we think that that sing is that product for any claims. But hopefully, it's just a deterrent in the industry. If like if you see if you see that it was saved by sing, then you know it's on the block. It's like that inception, you know, on that person's you know ID and on the blockchain is really indisputable and immutable. So it can't be changed, and you know you can have confidence that uh, your stuff is safe. Do you see Sing as being a place that a producer could go to find new talent and new ideas that they could then collaborate properly with? I think that's there. I think the idea of sharing is is where we're at right now with the wallet in terms of if we wanted to collaborate an idea, to do it through Sing is a very safe place because you are getting all that chain of custody. Um, discovery, I, I love discovery. I think it's, you know, it's, it's something that gets diluted when you get on huge platforms like Spotify or Apple or even Netflix. Like I can't, I'm on, I, I spend more time searching for, for stuff on Netflix than I do finding things. Right. Yeah. Same with music, unfortunately. So I'm a big believer in discovery. I don't know if that's, that's in our plans right now. Um, what we're trying to do with the wallet and what we have, what we're building in the background is basically, um, you know, our, 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 our tech teams are are really working hard to launch a marketplace and a studio. We're trying to make this holistic experience where people 
you know, right now, upload all the stuff you want. You're trading NFTs for free. That's amazing. We're going to be able to connect you to an uh, outside um, marketplace if you want. Very shortly, we can get those NFTs off. And, and if you want to sell them and try to monetize them, that's awesome. So we're going to give you that ability. We have our own marketplace launching as well. And then um, the idea of a studio to help really really tap into creators that maybe need just some guidance and, and that that includes deep analytics on how to make this right because the whole cash grab that we're seeing right now this frenzy of the peoples and i look i'm friends with people i love mike i'm so happy for the guy um but the, even the steve aoki's and and, uh, and the blows and all these people that are making like three or four million dollars every time they do a drop that's about to end like that's going to come not crashing down but it's going to level out and what we're going to see um, kind of rise from the ashes of that is like this new economy for creators in a true sense of like now we have a new distribution method we have a new monetization model we have this really powerful way to community build without any middlemen and that is like that's the the hallelujah moment for me we're talking with Rain Meta. He is the chief product officer of Sing the Sing app he's also the lead singer of uh, Our Lady Peace Rain how how simple is it though to actually i guess do you call it minting uh your idea on on the sing app yeah i mean look to to get it to a marketplace and sell it that that's a little bit more uh cumbersome and we're trying to move those barriers as well but honestly you could you could put 100 ideas in tonight it's not going to cost you a penny and they're minted they are nfts they are on the blockchain it's just you know that next step is something that we're working hard at as well to be better than you know any of our competition out there and that's that's making sure that gas fees are as low as possible and and you know trying not to kind of rip off artists and trying to really take fair percentages on a sale I, I think that's really the key point that I, i've tried to make every time i explain nfts to people is that it really puts the power back in the artist's hands if they're if it's done properly and it's exciting to be able to own that piece of property that you created the intellectual property and see where it goes and who's using it and and how it's sold and then also being able to sort of participate in those future sales of that thing which is something that hasn't really happened anytime uh someone creates a piece of art typically other than the initial sale yeah for sure and, and, no that's a that's an amazing point and and i think really profound because you know, I look at, I'm, I love art and not just, exp I, I just love art as inspiration and I keep it in my studio. Um, but you're right, if I were to take one of these paintings off the wall and go sell it, that artist isn't participating. Yeah. But in the digital realm now, that person, that artist can, can you know, they'll get, a, you know, five or kind of 10% um, commission on that. It's like a royalty, it's like a song and, and that should exist. And now, now we have the ability to do that. And then what you were talking about, I, I feel like I've been talking a lot from the kind of like product technologist guy, but as an artist, I'm super hyped about like what this opens up to me on the creative side. Like OLP has a, a new record coming out. It's called Spiritual Machines 2. It's based on a concept record we did uh, with Ray Kurzweil. I mean, we have Ray talking on the album. We have tons of excerpts from him. We have tons of extra music and art. And now we're going to give, our, like, we're, we're still working out the details of what it looks like, but we're going to give our fans a way to participate in this album that I don't think people have ever had before in music. That can be an ownership. That can be in, like, these really interesting exclusives. We're talking about, like, moving to the, you know, uh, the next token, which is the ERC-1155, which allows for mul multiple tokens. And so you can basically do a subscription where all of a sudden we're dropping things. You wake up in the morning and, like, 
wow, you have a new demo from us that was never heard or, or a piece of video or a video message. Like it, it could be anything. And, and so as a creator, I think it really, I think it, you know, I, I hate to say it, but it, it's giving us these superpowers and I've never felt more kind of alive and, and the possibilities are back in our hands again, where I'm not stuck in these, you know, these boxes. And, and, and I don't want to say the hell this hostage, but like publishers and PROs and, and, and record labels always have, you know, kind of control the strings a bit. And now those things, you know, I, I don't know if I'll ever sign a publishing deal again. I think this, this, this creates that new revenue stream and, and it's not, it's much more than just that. It's like I said, this, this ability to, to build community and get to that direct to fan, that value prop is, man, it's powerful. How much power though do the artists have uh, over their publishing uh, overlords when it comes to releasing their own content and, and minting their own NFTs? Do the publishers get a part of that? Is there any restrictions? Yeah. For sure. So if you're if you're a published artist or signed to a record label, you're going to have to cut deals with those people. You're going to have to figure out, you know, uh, this is all new language. This is all new technology. So those 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 deals are kind of being rewritten right now. OLP is independent. We have been for the last three albums. Myself as an artist and a writer are, are independent. So perfect timing, you know, like to be in this place. And, and hopefully what it does is for the next generation shows that, hey, you know what? Maybe you don't have to consider doing that. Maybe you can be independent. And even though Spotify um, doesn't care about artists, uh, you know, this, this new economy through, through, uh, through Ethereum and blockchain and NFTs can provide, you know, I, I always say, you know, the, the average artist lives about $4,000 above, you know, the poverty line. So <laughs> this it's not going to make it worse. Let's put it that way. What advice would you have for budding artists and, and musicians uh, out there? Uh, obviously, you know, really work on your craft and your, your ideas and concepts, but uh, should they start understanding technology more? I mean, I, you know, again, going back to where we started, I think Singh's mission is really to simplify this thing because it does get a little uh, heady when you think, oh my gosh, I have to okay, now i got to download a, a MetaMask wallet and I have to put some ETH in it to buy something. So we're trying to make this so simple to where it's almost my, my whole thing with our tech team and our, and our, you know, our dev meetings is, man, this has got to be like Amazon. If it's not a one click solution for, for a fan or for an artist, then they're probably going to, you know, not download our app. And so I think we're, I think we're really close to that, which is exciting. And using Apple pay or Google pay or a debit card, like that's, that's, that's where our, our, our mindset is. It's just simple entry points, no friction, and the fun has to be in just the fact that, oh, well, there's an auction. Maybe there's only a hundred of these things. So I want in, maybe it's 10 bucks or 20 bucks or whatever it is. It's like, just want to make that person feel like, yeah, they can get in right away. Kind of like you're standing at a merch booth. Like if there's a hundred things available at a merch booth and you're the 110th person in line, that sucks. But you still had that chance and, it, and it's really just, did you line up quick enough? This is what this is the kind of philosophy we're, we're using for Sing. I, I think that's, that's really a key point because we're tech people and we still have trouble wrapping our hand around the wallets, the minting, the gap, like all these different elements that are very technical. It's like learning to program a synthesizer. Like you have to learn so many things to make it even just make a sound. And then this is a whole new world, I think for uh, musicians or anybody. uh, I I hate changing a guitar string. So, (laughs) you know, (laughs) like like the fact, you know, like, 
trying to navigate what you're talking about and, and the MetaMask wallets and all these things. I, I agree. So our whole our whole mission is to really simplify this. And I think we're, you know, in terms of, of creating an NFT, the wallet does, like I said, you can download that right now and put as many, many ideas in there and, you, and you're creating NFTs. And then very shortly, you're going to be able to get those out of the same wallet and put them up on a marketplace. And um, that's really exciting. And we're going to keep that, that uh, like I said, friction-free is, is, uh, is where we're headed. Is it just for musicians or is it for any creator? Yeah, I, I, I don't even, I, you know what? It's funny because I don't even use the word musician anymore. I use the word creator because I think, especially for this next generation, they just come up, they're like, they, they live on their phones, right? So they're kind of creating videos. And if they, like my look at my son, like he'll go to the piano and he'll film himself writing a song. And so he's kind of like a, a visual artist as much as he is a, a piano player and songwriter and singer. And then he'll put some effects on it and post it. And, and so it's just creators or he'll take photographs and he'll put that, you know, he loads stuff into a sing wallet and he'll just take a silly photograph and that becomes the, his kind of song, you know, cover, like single cover for that idea. So it's just creators. So whatever you do out there, um, throw it in, in the wallet. So when, so when his hook appears in a Fruit Loops commercial, he'll know how to track that down. He will. Yeah, he'll get paid. <laughs> he might want to change the photo. He might be embarrassed by the photo he put up, but he'll get paid. Well, Rain, it's been a pleasure talking with you. And uh, where can people find out more information about Sing? Yeah, um, you know, really the app kind of says it all. Um, otherwise, you can just find Sing uh, on the web. Share with Sing is kind of our, our socials. Uh, Instagram and you know there's links to all that stuff there and and again it's we're trying to keep all that stuff simple you know so it's it's uh there's not a lot lot to to learn and it's it's you know I, I think it's um it's a really fun thing to do and I think at the end of the day with the wallet what you guys will see as well if you have a chance to download it, it's basically wow you know what this is a great place to show off your nfts too you know if you bought any it's it has that 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 kind of apple wallet feel where yeah, if you're sitting at a at a you know on a bus or at a bar, you can just scroll through stuff and pull them up, and yeah, it's really it's it it has that it has that creative feel. And again, like we all use Dropbox and different things in the music community uh, or arts community, but this is this is the next thing. We've been talking with Rain Maida. If he wasn't busy enough making music, uh, he's also the leader uh, lead singer of Our Lady Peace and uh, the chief product officer over at Sing. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me, guys. Really appreciate it. Let's uh, talk about writing better or writing good, as I like to say. <laughs> There's actually an app for that that can help you write better emails, uh, better reports, better everything. On the line, we've uh, got our good friend Ted Critsonos. He's done a great review of Grammarly up on our website, getconnectedmedia.com. But we thought we'd get him on the show to talk a little bit about it. Thanks for joining us, Ted. Good to be with you guys. Ted, I don't write so good. You don't? <laughs> I don't think I do. Every time I write something, uh, our, uh, our producer, uh, Christina, always you know, has to completely re redo it. So I'm always looking for a little, uh, little, little bit of help. So you've uh, done a, a review of Grammarly, and this is an app that will actually uh, work in conjunction with your email program, uh, you know, things like Facebook, uh, also Word and Google Docs. Tell us, tell us how it works. So Grammarly is more than just a typical spell check, right? So this is more than just like underlining a word that's been misspelled. The idea is to, uh, and again, there's, I'm going to mention the different tiers here, but 
the idea basically is to is to improve the the way you write so your grammar your prose um you know to avoid plagiarism even uh there's a number of sort of safeguards and learning tools that are in there that kind of happen on the fly but even they they will even sort of come out after you've already written something so that you can then edit and fix it afterwards uh there, there's quite a bit there uh and, and i know that this is a sort of an ever-evolving um platform that that grammarly is continuing to improve but base that's the gist of it basically this sounds interesting so you uh, how does it work? Like, do you install it as an app? Uh, I, I see there's, uh, you can load it into uh, your browser, Chrome, as a plugin. Yeah, so you, there are browser extensions for the major browsers. So if, you, if you're using Chrome, Firefox, Edge, Safari, uh, there's you can definitely have it so that it's built in there so that it kind of applies to everything that you type uh, when it comes to, you know, let's say you're using email in a browser, like it, would, it could then apply there. Google Docs has its own uh, sort of support for it. Uh, Microsoft Office uh, does too. So if you're using Word and you wanted something a little bit more exp expansive when it comes to whatever it is as far as editing your grammar, then you can have that too. There's even there are apps for iOS and Android. There, you know, there's even a version uh, in the uh, in the iPad that has a, a keyboard and style editor. Um, so you can start typing up a document um, and get you know extras going there. Uh, so it, there's there's quite a bit there. I mean, in terms of its access, there's a disk, desktop app also. I should mention for computers in case you want to use that instead of the browser one. Uh, it's there. There's a they've made it very accessible. I'll just say that. One thing that I I really like about it is beyond just being like you said, like a spell checker or a grammar checker, it, it sort of analyzes the style of your writing, and it has a tone detector, so it can actually you know, sort of detect your tone. Like, is your email too formal or is it too friendly or, you know, optimistic, you know, that kind of thing. And I think that can really help you sort of understand your style of writing and how you're going to either interact with somebody else, or if you're writing a blog post or, you know, an email or whatever, um, just having that additional layer to sort of uh, reflect on what you've actually written. Because I think sometimes people just just do a brain dump and then they hit send, right? And they don't really think about how it's going to be interpreted by the by the recipient or the reader. I, I'm waiting for the day where whatever AI they have going on here is going to be so smart to say, "Are you sure you want to send that angry email?" <laughs> <laughs> I need that. Uh, I really need that. <laughs> yeah, because you know, because we're kind of heading in that direction with what John. What you're talking about, John? Uh, it, it, it is. Yeah. When you pay for, so when you subscribe, because the free version is not going to give you the the things that you pointed out. So you're not going to get thing. You know sort of feedback on tonality or you know how formal you are or whether you're using the right words to, to get across what it is you're trying to say those things are apply when you subscribe and and they're they're pretty neat i mean in all honesty uh, it's it's something when you kind of look at it on the face of it and think oh, okay there's no way but they're they're actually they're pretty neat and and they are and they are relevant the points that they make are relevant as well so for someone who feels a little bit overwhelmed when it comes to how they write or what it is they're writing about, uh, this could be a helpful tool in that regard, which is why I also said uh, in the article, I also pointed out that for people who are learning English, um, I mean, English is the only language that this works in right now, but if you're learning English, 
this is one way also to learn how to write it better also i think well, that that's a great tool uh you know we get a lot of people writing into my company uh you know job applicants and, and what have you and you can tell when english is their second language so uh, something like this would definitely i guess make that communication that much more professional really well especially yeah because if you you could put together a resume using grammarly as well not so much by a template but more so if you use the template let's say in word and you wanted to use grammarly to kind of parse or look at the resume in some way again it's a different kind of writing obviously because you know there's more point form stuff and things like that but grammarly could probably point out maybe a phrase that doesn't really make sense or maybe it could recommend a different way to to say something as opposed to what was written there so I see real utility in something like this for a number of different reasons. Whether you are a native English speaker or not, it doesn't really matter. Uh, there is, There are tools here that you can use. It's just, unfortunately, it's a little bit pricey if you do want to subscribe. And, and that's where I can see people being a little bit careful about whether or not they want to pay. So so it's free to start, uh, and that works within your browser and does you know the basic spelling and, and grammar, uh, you know, consistency in spelling and punctuation. Um, but there are the subscriptions, and they start at uh, at what price? Well, if you want to go monthly, it can be as high as thirty dollars a month. What? <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, if you but so they try to incentivize you to pay on an annual basis. Okay. And on an annual basis, I found pricing at about one hundred and forty dollars. Okay, so that that roughly is about just under twelve bucks a month. Yeah. So something a little more palatable for sure, but it, it's a little bit sneaky. I, I I mean, I wish that they would offer a monthly plan. Uh, that was at that price as opposed to saying, hey, you know, pay us 30 bucks. Like, it's crazy. Yeah. But that, that's, you know, if, even for some people, 12 bucks might be a little high. But again, uh, I would look at this as an investment in in your own ability to write and to communicate. That's the yeah. way I, I term it. And it's also probably a business expense that you could write off to if you're if a freelance writer or something 100%. like that. Yeah. 100%, yes. So, Ted, the big question is, would you use this? Would you pay the subscription? For me, well, now for someone like me who writes for a living, I, you know, I, I mean, I think like every writer, you always kind of look at yourself and say, well, do I really need this? Um, you know, I think I'm doing okay on my own, but I would definitely use the free version to start uh, and see how that goes. And then I think if I was to write something like a book uh, or something different, a, a type of writing that I'm not used to, for example, yes, I would then definitely consider using this because it would at least give me a different perspective, uh, perhaps, on what I'm doing. And a few, plagiarism. A, a few years ago, I wrote a book, and I would have loved to have this uh, back then because of the fact, like you just said, the plagiarism thing. Like, because you have things in your head and you start typing it out, and you, like I'm always like, did I read this on a website or is it something I just conjured up in my head? And so this would actually help identify those things, but also helping in your tone and, and, and that type of stuff would be, would have been huge when I was writing my book. I mean, I had editors to do that for me, but it would have been nice to have less revisions because of that. Exactly. That's a great point. I think if what part of what we're talking about here is the idea of reducing the workflow so that you are reducing the hurdles and steps to t that it takes to get to the finished product. Now, with a book, obviously, that is far more intricate than it would be, let's say, for some other report or assignment or whatever, what have you. I mean, obviously, students would benefit from something like this, too. Um, but 
yeah, I, to me, I, I look at it just like it, it's an investment ultimately in your own ability to write whatever it is you're writing. The, the, there is one bullet point I see in the premium that definitely I think some people could benefit from, and that's clarity-focused sentence rewrites. Saying the same thing with fewer words oh, and, yeah. and, and being more concise, I think that, that would be a huge thing. Because sometimes people can go on, and I'm guilty of this myself, you can rattle on for two paragraphs, and I could have said it in one sentence if I had the right words. <laughs> one of the downsides of going online is that people can basically ramble on, uh, yeah. you know, right, as opposed to print. And I, I mean, journalists included, right? Like when, you, when we wrote for print, it was, you know, we were limited to a word count. Now online, you can just go with however long you want to go, depending on who you're writing for. And yeah, one of the 101 lessons, I think, has always been try to say the same thing with fewer words, if you can, because ultimately it's more succinct and concise. And Grammarly does have uh, a way to do that. You've got to pay for it uh, if you want that particular feature, but it is there. We're talking all about Grammarly, a great tool to help you write better. It's free uh, as a plugin for most uh, web browsers out there. And of course, they have subscription plans uh, on a monthly slash annual basis that takes it up a notch. Ted, thank you so much. Always a pleasure. Thanks for having me, guys. If you want to read the full review, you can check it out on our website, getconnectedmedia.com. Ted uh, is very luxurious with his words and verbose and uh, hopefully he's grammarly on this particular review and you can see it in action we're going to talk about apple watches and specifically the watch faces so many people have apple watches now it's the number one watch in the world it's like beating out normal watches which is is interesting i've got one you've got one and the cool thing is they do so much they can track your fitness you can get notifications you can use it as a phone uh, I'm missing a whole bunch of things, but one of the cool things is the customizability. You can actually have different watch faces. So Apple has, you know, a couple dozen different ones, but they really kind of get you to stick with the Apple ones. Yeah, there's not a lot of customization beyond changing maybe some colors or changing the complications, which are the little widgets that appear on the watch face. So you want to bring in like a little weather icon or that shows you what the weather is going to be or the temperature or you know, your different rings that you want to close with, with the Apple Watch, uh, you can bring those in. But um, I found an app that's actually been around for quite a while that I never heard of until this past weekend. It's called Clockology. And it is a game changer in if you like custom watch faces. And for me, this has always been something that I loved about smartwatches that you can change the watch face to your mood, to your fashion, to whatever you want, whenever you want. And Clockology lets you do that in a really interesting way by giving you access to a very customizable amount of widgets and tools that you can do right on your phone. Through the app. Through the app. Yeah. So you can, um, they have a bunch of templates that it comes with and it's a completely free app to use. Um, although there is a subscription service, which we'll talk about in a minute, uh, that gives you some additional features, but it's completely free to use. It's um, basically gives you the ability to completely dramatically change the look and feel of your watch. So I got into it because I saw on TikTok, of all places, a, uh, a watch face that was literally like Doc's DeLorean flux capacity flux capacitor from back to the future film yeah and it's fantastic it's little animations it's got the little um meter that shows you your uh your battery 
but it's got all the dates on it as well, which you can actually customize. You can put any dates. You can put your birthday or your kid's birthday or whatever you want in there. But it also has the actual uh, time in the middle of that uh, device that was typically in the um, the center console of the DeLorean. But there are so many, there's a huge community around this as well. And that's the important thing. If you're not inclined to make your own watch faces, the community has made hundreds of different ones. Maybe even thousands. Uh, what's crazy is that this watch app has a Facebook group called Clockology Fans. And you need to get you need to join that. Just join it, answer a couple of questions, and you're in. There's no special vetting or anything like that. You don't need to be invited, although it speeds up the process a little bit. Uh, there's over 250,000 members in there, and literally, almost hourly, people are posting new watch faces that are free to download. It's a, it's a few steps you have to go through, but they've actually done a really great job on the Facebook group telling you how to install the app, how to... In, enable certain permissions that you need to enable so that it actually will stay on all the time. And this works on any uh, series of Apple Watch from one through six. So, and it doesn't seem to dramatically affect my battery life. I've had the flux capacitor on for like almost a week now and it doesn't really change my my battery life at all. If you weren't a super nerd before, now you've taken yes. it to the highest level. But the fun thing is, and if you have an Apple Watch, you know you can already do this. You can sort of swipe hard press and swipe uh, left and right to change whatever you've sort of preloaded as your watch faces. With Clockology, you just swipe and you can actually have a roster of different watches. So I've got a couple different Rolex watch faces. I've got a few- uh, You got Space Invaders. I have Space Invaders. It actually plays the game on my watch every minute. Yeah. Um, the There's a few other ones like um, really retro, uh, uh, LCD game consoles that they shrunk down and they put on watches like in the 80s. Yeah. So you can't play them. It's just kind of no. A, it's just animations. Yeah. But it's it's just super fun. And the neat thing is, is you actually have access to some of the things that your watch can do that you can bring forward, like uh, your uh, activity monitoring. You know your fitness. Uh, the only thing you can't do for free is actually pull in the weather. So that's one of the features that you have to subscribe for. Got it. It's about three bucks a month or. 30 bucks a year yeah. for the subscription. And all it does is this supports the developers to keep improving the app. And it's actually pretty good value for what you get. But I've literally got dozens of watch faces now. And yeah. You can keep, these are tiny little files that take up like kilobytes. So if you have like a, like a, I have a series five and I've got like 20 gigs free on my watch, I could probably put thousands of watch faces on there. Yeah. But you know, you talk about Rolex, Omega, Citizen, Ferrari, like you, you name it, someone's made a watch face around it. Yes. So any of these custom watch faces that you've seen on actual watches, people have emulated them and emulated them to the nth degree. Like I have a really cool Rolex. It's called a skeleton Rolex. Yeah. Where basically you can see through the, the um, what, what's the top layer of the watch called? I don't know, the face or the bezel? Well, the, the bezel, but yeah. you can actually see all the, all the inner workings of the yeah. watch. All the gears and if everything. If it was an analog watch. Yeah. It's, and it's animated and it actually ticks to, to the time and it's fantastic. But Clockology Fans is a very important piece of this puzzle if you want to get access to all of the watch faces. I haven't found a website that organizes them all. You're back with the App Show. I want to thank uh, the folks that helped put the program together. Of course, John Beeler, my uh, co-host and producer, and Christina as well. Uh, back at the, the studio. Don't forget to visit our website, getconnectedmedia.com. Again, getconnectedmedia.com. We've got all our podcasts and radio shows up there. Lots of how-to videos, anything tech-related you want to know about, 
We've got some uh, great content up there. And always, we've got some great contests going as well. We have uh, literally got thousands of dollars of prizes we're going to be giving away this year. Don't forget to listen to our sister show, Get Connected. We'll see you again next time. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, Tune in Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.